They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt and Paul Wooster. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Next Gen On Mission podcast. My name is Shane Pruitt, National Next Gen Director for the North American Mission Board. And always with me is my co-host, my brother, Paul Wooster, our National Collegiate Director at the North American Mission Board. What's up, Paul? Hey, how's it going, Shane? I'm stoked about this episode. We have who I would refer to as a genius on with us. I would say you're a genius also, Shane, in your own way. But we got Trevin, who's a genius, and uh, I would not say I'm a genius. (laughs) Hey, I agree, man. I'm so excited about today's guest. And, you know, like, I have a pretty lame name. You know, it's like Shane Pruitt. That's pretty lame. Like, Mm-hmm. Paul, your name is pretty good. You know, yeah, like your last right. name, it confuses people sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but it's a cool name. But today, like Trevin Wax, like that's mm-hmm. a cool name, you know. Wax like, on, just, wax off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we are so excited about our guest today, which has been a longtime friend of the North American Mission Board, but recently all in at the at NAM and part of the NAM family. And so Trevin Wax is the Vice President of Research and Resource Development at the North American Mission Board, a former missionary to Romania. Um, he writes a lot of columns for um, just a, a lot of great publications. He is an author of some incredible books, a general mm-hmm. editor of the Gospel Project and served in that capacity. Um, he is a husband and a father and most importantly, a follower of Jesus. So Trevin, thanks for being a part of the Next Gen on Mission podcast today, my friend. Thanks, guys, for having me on. I'm glad to be here. And man, genius is going to be a lot to live up to. So <laughs> I'm going to do my best. Well, you know, sometimes it's a, com- you know, like comparative term. So, <laughs> you know, so like if it's like, Compared to Paul and I, that's not hard to accomplish. You know? <laughs> amen, amen, amen. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But thanks for having me on. Well, awesome, Trevin. Well, hey, besides just having a really cool name, before we get too spiritual, what is one fun fact we need to know about Trevin Wax that we may not already know? So I feel like I get asked this question now. So there's probably a lot, there may be some people listening that actually know this fun fact because I've been using it as like my fun fact that no one would know for like three or four years now. <laughs> right. But my first job was McDonald's. And on Saturday mornings, I was the Hamburglar. So I would dress <laughs> up as the Hamburglar. And the best thing about it, because I was a, you know, a 16-year-old kid, you can, the thing I miss about being 16 is you can eat whatever you want and it doesn't put yeah. anything on you. <laughs> You know, but I would, uh, I, they would give me, you know, every, I'd go out for like 15, 20 minutes out, you know, on the floor and scare little kids or make them happy, <laughs> one or the other. And uh, um, they they would give me free breakfast food, lunch food, whatever I wanted to eat when I came back. I would, And so, I mean, I chowed down some like bacon, egg and cheese biscuits, Big Macs in the afternoon. Saturdays were fun as the hamburger. So Come on, I <laughs> that love is it. something that I uh, won't forget. Are there pictures? Are there pictures I, that we could put on Twitter? I don't think there are any pictures, although just about any picture of the Hamburglar would do because you wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> We're just going to pretend this is Trevin. Everybody check out Trevin. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That sounds like a dream, a dream job, man. Just to be the Hamburglar, dude. <laughs> that's so hey, funny. As a teenager, it was, it was really good. It was, yeah. I felt like, man, this is a this is a good job. They, you know, it, they pay me minimum wage or a little above, and they feed me. 
and uh, I can, you know, make kids happy or I can make them cry. One of the others. <laughs> is the Hamburglar even a thing anymore? I mean, I don't see him anymore. Is it maybe it's a politically correct thing? I'm not sure. But. I don't know. I don't see any of those old McDonald's, you know, like when I was a kid, like they would have McDonald's parties and you'd have all these characters. But I mean, when you look back at it, Ronald McDonald is a little creepy. And I just <laughs> definitely, you know, the whole clown thing and the Hamburglar thing, it just doesn't have the same feeling that it had in the. In the <laughs> it just doesn't translate that's for sure that's fair yeah. we'll have to dive into another podcast yeah. all about the the history of <laughs> mcdonald's lore here but let's jump into our more serious questions now um this first one we always ask our guests and it's fascinating to hear the different responses some are similar some are different but what do we need to know about generation z you know i think one of the um the the most important things to keep in mind about this next generation that's coming up. And I say this as one with kids in this generation. I mean, our oldest has just become a senior in high school and our youngest is a third grader. Um, they are one of the most connected generations in history and yet also one of the loneliest generations in history mm -hmm. because the connection is in these areas that breed a sort of superficiality mm -hmm. and a social pressure that is uh, is different than than that of generations before. Adolescence is hard, no matter no matter what generation. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we shouldn't mm -hmm. romanticize the past and assume that things have been easier all the time. But there are certain aspects of adolescence that um, I, I think that are uh, have have been heightened by by this. And then there's also for for um, uh, middle and upper class generations that, that families. Um, there's, there's also this sort of, um, that there's been this helicopter parenting approach of where there's not a lot of, you know, what they call free range parenting where, you know, like kids mm -hmm. are out in the yeah. neighborhood. Like if you ask people, uh, it's interesting. You ask people, Hey, when you were a kid, um, you know, how old were you before you were allowed to like roam the neighborhood, you know, mm -hmm. and then the ages are shockingly low. For yes. people, you know, even my generation, I'm one of the older millennials, but even Gen X and beyond, mm -hmm. shockingly low um, during those times. And today, it's interesting um, how few kids are actually outside playing beyond their yards or outside beyond that, because, you know, there's a lot of stuff you can do inside. You can be connected, you know, via social media or gaming together and things like that. But because of that, um, a lot of the, the middle and upper class uh, families um, are also uh, very focused on their kids getting into college or their kids, mm -hmm. you know, doing travel ball. And like, there's yeah. not a lot of free time. There's just not yeah. a lot of free time. Yeah. And so yeah. I think one of the things to think about for Gen Z is that you've got this gap that's widening between parents that are very heavily involved. And then you've got parents that are, uh, you know, middle to lower class parents who are, uh, you know, working families, holding down two or three jobs parents just don't they, they don't just don't have the resources to be mm -hmm. quite as involved and then when these when we're watching now generation z get into college and they are um there's been a real shift in mindset between the millennials and gen z when it comes to college there's a, a book called the the coddling of the uh american mm -hmm. mind that came out yeah. a few years ago yep. must read must read mm -hmm. uh, about the the they, they talk about the great untruths that are affecting society and they've noticed this shift uh, in college from the younger millennials to Gen Z as they begin to arrive on university campuses and the ex expectations that they have for what the real world should be like and how they should remain sort of sheltered from from ideas that are different than the ones they've grown up with or things that might 
affect them or influence them in, in harmful ways. So uh, it's just, it's fascinating to watch this, this generation that has grown up never knowing anything other than the iPhone um, mm -hmm. as being a thing uh, and watching how that has influenced and impacted uh, the, this generation. So I think a lot of just different challenges that are going to present themselves that we should know about because this is, you know, that this is the next generation we're called to, to hand down the gospel to. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, your book, uh, Rethink Yourself, it's got the mirror on it. And I, I love that book. You, you wrote that specifically for Generation Z. Can you share a little bit about that and why you wrote that book? Yeah, I, I wanted to write a book that would unpack what the um, the meaning and purpose of life is just by default for most people in our society, especially those in the younger generation. And I wrote it as accessible as possible. Like my point in writing it um, was that, you know, put the cookies on the bottom shelf. They don't, you don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to know big philosophical words, but like, how could I take some of these things that we just take for granted, common assumptions about what the purpose of life is? And how could I unpack that in a way that would be understandable for someone my son's age or a little bit above to be able to to read and follow follow pretty quickly. And so, um, so I I've I've th this was a book that I wanted to 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 write as a an extended gospel presentation, basically, mm -hmm. to say mm -hmm. this is what this is what the world tells you the purpose of life is to look inside yourself to find your your deepest desires to then express those to the world around you. To, to gather around people that will affirm you as you are and will, uh, uh, you know, cheer you on in the life that you design for yourself. And then, you know, if you feel like you need God or something, you kind of sprinkle on top some, some transcendence, you know, some kind of spirituality. Mm -hmm. um, that's the dominant way of looking at life that you see in our world. And what I wanted to do was to say, first, that way of life isn't true for a lot of other people in the world. So, yeah. you know, I, other cultures, other countries, they, they look at things differently. So what you may think is common sense isn't common sense to everybody first. Um, but then second, this isn't the Bible's way of looking at this at all. The mm -hmm. Bible actually challenges that way of thinking by putting God first, not yeah. looking inside first. We look up first to God, and then mm -hmm. we look around, and then we look in. And that's actually where we find our truest uh, sense of happiness and fulfillment is uh, when salvation is presented to us in that in that way. So um, I, I did write this book with an evangelistic heart saying, hey, how yeah. can I write the book? I, you know, I think pastors benefit from it, church leaders, because they're like, you know, hey, this helps me. I've heard from a bunch that say, hey, this helps me communicate yep. Yep. this way of thinking in a way that my students can understand, you know? Mm -hmm. So I hear that. But I also wanted it to be the kind of book they could give to a student knowing, hey, they're going to get it. Like, it's not something that they've got to translate for them. Like, they're going to be able to to, to, to share this book with a student or with someone, you know, in, uh, um, in college and say, yeah, they, they'd be able to follow along with this. And it presents the gospel, hopefully, in a, in a you know, my goal was for it to be in a, in a willing, in a winsome and compelling manner. So, yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, and I think Generation Z is ready for that message. They, mm -hmm. they, they need to hear that it's not about them and fulfilling their dreams and all that kind of Disney Channel type stuff. They're ready for something real and, and substantial. So, man, I, thank you for writing that and everything you do there in the writing scene. Uh, I love how fired up you are about knowing Jesus and making him known. And so can you share a little bit of your story and how you got to the place that you are today? Yeah, so I um, I grew up in a a Christian home. Um, God God got me young. <laughs> I was you know a, a kid already understood the you know the the basics of the gospel. Trusted Christ early. 
Um, so there's not a lot of before in my before and after testimony. Um, but it, it was when I was a teenager that um, I remember there was a Disciple Now weekend uh, when I was in ninth grade where it, it was, you know, I already was a believer before that, but I remember just being gripped that weekend by everything. The, the theme was not ashamed, you know, and I remember mm-hmm. being being gripped by the, the the messages, by the community, by the music. And, I, and it, I, it really dawned on me in that Disciple Now weekend um, that, you know, if if everything that I say I believe about Jesus is really true, and if I really believe this about what it means to follow Jesus, this changes the course of the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, like yep. you, you can't, yep. you can't say, you know, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and really understand those words, and it not actually change everything about the decisions you That's make right. moving forward. That's right. Like you just That's can't. It. And so yes. for me, it like, even though I believe I was saved at a younger age, it really clicked for me mm-hmm. at, in, at that Disciple Now weekend where I realized, now, if I really am going to follow Jesus, like, then that means I'm, I'm going to, like, my life is, is dedicated to him. It's like I've handed this over to him. And so, and that started out a trajectory and a journey. I mean, it wasn't long after that I took my first trip uh, um, as a teenager on a, on a mission trip to Romania. I did that several years, mm-hmm. did short-term missions, both stateside and over there. And, um, and then eventually as a 19 year old, uh, bought a one-way ticket and moved. Like I just mm-hmm. knew this is what God wants me to do. Wow. And went there, learned the language. I met my wife when I was over there. We had our first son during a five-year period in which I was uh, um, uh, actually studying at a Christian university, doing ministry in village churches. Uh, it was a great opportunity for me to really cut my teeth on uh, cross-cultural ministry at a really young age. And so I think the Lord has used that in my life to uh, to help me be able to look at our culture from the outside in, to be able to have a just a, a you know cross-cultural ministry that the great thing about it is it does give you some some perspective that you can bring to hopefully help uh, people that are doing ministry in different different contexts. So uh, so yeah, it's been it's been a, an amazing journey so far and can't wait to see what the Lord has has for me in the future. Yeah, I love that, Trevin. And, and that's amazing um, that even as a young person, you're you were counting the costs going in. Like you're like, I know if I believe this message and this my life's gonna be about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known, it's gonna change the trajectory of my life. Um, and with that, the way that God's gifted you is is unique that I think is super relevant to a lot of next gen leaders. Um, as we kind of talk about a topic of next-gen ministries and content development creation, because I've found uh, there's a lot of next-gen leaders that are super creative, super innovative, and uh, have a heart for developing content um, for a generation to raise up a generation. So would you talk a little bit about your background of content creation, content development, and your heart for that? Yeah. So for me, I feel like I've been a, a writer ever since I was six years old. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have, I, I wrote stories and did creative writing stuff. And like, I have, I have had that sort of burning desire to read a lot and to write a lot ever since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it really took off in, in high school and beyond. And in college, I, you know, I was writing on a regular basis. Um, and then I, you know, my, my first, um, my, my first published book was when I was um, 28, I think. Yeah, 28, 29. Mm-hmm. So like it was, for me, it was, it came really early that I just, yeah. I knew that that, I was a words guy. I was never mm-hmm. a math guy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like even now my kids come home with math homework and I'm just like, 
when you need me to help you on your essay, just call. <laughs> That's call, right. Call, yeah. You know, um, so I've, I've always been a words, a wordsmith, but um, uh, so yeah, I just, I knew that I had that, that desire and that passion. And it's not that I love to write. I really don't. I love ideas and I love expressing them. So yeah. when they get expressed and then I see it clicking for people because of the particular way that I've been able to word something or do like, that's what makes it worth it. The work, the writing process itself is terrible. It's hard. It's just, it's mm -hmm. just grueling, but mm -hmm. it's, it's the expressing of truth in a, in a, in, you know, in a, um, in a compelling way and, and next gen ministry. I mean, it's all about how do we take this truth that we've received? Mm -hmm. How do we take this gospel that's been handed to us? And how do we communicate the truths, apply these truths in a new environment, in a new context? Like we're not called to just repeat what our, our parents and grandparents said. We're called to build on what they've said and what they've passed down to us, but to do it in a compelling, fresh way for the next generation. Not altering it, not trying to adapt it, yeah. but trying to apply it in a, yeah. in a way that would be, would be super compelling for, uh, for those uh, in, in the culture that we're called to reach. So, so I'm all about doing that. I'm all about helping other writers. I've done a lot of editing over the years and helping other people, um, you know, really hone that message and, and, and make that message as strong as it can be, because I'm all about, you know, more and more people knowing Jesus and knowing what it means to follow him in the 21st century. Absolutely. Trevin. Well, I can tell you like Paul and I were ecstatic, um, you know, about you joining the Nam family. And, you know, I think Paul and I, we have a new idea about every five minutes, you know what I mean? And so <laughs> it's so great to have you a part of our family to like help us like hone that in and to really kind of keep us in a certain lane and path. And you've been such a blessing already to me personally at Nam. So would you talk about your role at Nam and your heart behind it and like really the vision you have um, at NAM for your role. Yeah. Yeah. So we are uh, currently the resources team. I lead a, a resources mm -hmm. team. It's pretty small. We're just a couple of people. We yeah. uh, mm -hmm. are, are though partnering with different parts of the organization mm -hmm. at, at North American Mission Board. So Sin Relief and Evangelism yeah. and Leadership, your, your, your team and the work you guys are doing and yeah. also Sin Network and the Church Planting Wing and, you know, uh, Mark Clifton and the replanting. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. just so many different things going on. Uh, our goal is really to provide the the right resources in the right way at the right time for pastors that's what we yeah. want to do for pastors yeah. and planters and church leaders um the right resources meaning you know we need to, to you know connected to people on the front lines make sure that we're we're producing and we're we're offering resources for free to pastors that are hitting on the you know hitting on all cylinders are really the what the, the kinds of resources that need to be out there in the right way meaning different me, you know methods like right now we're doing podcasts but you know mm -hmm. you were talking about a few of these couple of these videos maybe being on mm -hmm. a youtube channel you know we're also thinking about ebooks and doing some video courses with some supplemental resources uh for newchurches.com and mm -hmm. we're we're um you know con considering developing some other as well um, that are designed for the platforms that they're going to to live on so you know there's an apologetics resource that's really mm -hmm. incredible yep. it's already a part of nam's website and like yep. we you know we're, mm -hmm. we're jumping in there looking at how can we improve this how can we get this out to more people how can we make sure that more people are accessing this and are able to to benefit from the 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 research and resources that are already there so um mm -hmm. and so really our our team is going to be tasked with spinning up some new stuff, some great stuff, but also coming alongside the different 
parts of, of the North American Mission Board and making sure that we're serving the teams well and, and giving some insight and bringing some cohesion to, you know, a lot of teams doing a lot of great, a lot of great mm -hmm. resources. And sometimes, you know, I think our team is going to be there to say, you know, this probably isn't the best resource yeah. to, to, to focus on at this point. Yeah. Just, you know, to, to, to come along and to, to, to provide some, some additional uh, perspective on, on different resources mm -hmm. that might be out there. So mm -hmm. um, I'm really excited though, just thinking about producing free resources for pastors and planters. I'm all yeah. about that. Yeah. And so yeah. to be able to lead a team that helps in that is, is, is really exciting. Yeah. No, yeah. No. That man, that resonates with me because early on in ministry, doing college ministry, there wasn't a lot of resources that were free and easily accessible and actually relevant to what I was doing. So I had to, I, I got on the crew campus crusade website. I got on these, I felt like I had to go searching and for anything. Mm -hmm. And so since then I've been writing stuff and sharing with other leaders and people are just eating that up because it's like what I wish I had. And so I think across mm -hmm. the nation, across the board in each of those silos, there's needs and there's, there's opportunities there. And so I'm so glad you're on the team there. Um, yep. And so this next question is kind of for those that are, for what you could speak to those pastors, college leaders, student pastors, in a sense, we're all content creators. We're all, um, a lot of people are creating content every week, <laughs> right? Because mm -hmm. they're speaking to their audience. And then there's others of us that feel called to speak to a broader audience, writing blogs, et cetera. So what are some practical ways that someone can grow in their creativity, their innovation, and kind of developing content? What have you learned over the years in that? Yeah, I mean, the big question, the, I mean, the, really the big question behind that question is how do we communicate well? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, we are, we are content creators, whether or not we're all writing, and not, not everyone's a great writer, but there may be people that have great ideas and are terrific speakers. You know, there's other times where you've got a great writer, but they're not a great speaker. You know, you've got, you've got to, first, you've got to figure out how has God called you to communicate and where do you communicate best? Like, what is mm -hmm. your, what's your, what's your primary gift set and focus in on that. And then secondly, learn from people who do that really well. So, you know, if there's, you know, writers you admire, look to writers that you admire, like see what the secrets are, try to, to build that, that strength. The same thing with preaching, with teaching, uh, we should constantly, I'm, I'm amazed at how much, um, how, how many people in our churches have to sit through sermons that are not that compelling. <laughs> Someone said it. I'm glad you said it, not me. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying it's not because the Bible's not compelling. Yes, the Bible's compelling. It's not because yes. the gospel's not compelling. Yes. I'm telling you, you get it. The gospel is compelling. Mm -hmm. it, right. it, it, for whatever reason, because of lack of time or preparation or even just understanding of, yeah. of not, it's the um, the the, um, the 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 presentation really really matters. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's why we don't just sit down and just every Sunday morning read scripture, or when we get together, we just mm -hmm. read the scripture out loud because the God has ordained this this uh, um, um, manner of delivering truth to God's people in a timely and applicable way. It's just essential. So yes. growing in our skill set for that, um, you know, it's, we, we, I think one of the, the things that has been really helped to me over the years has been um, working on particular, like breaking down what it is we're called to do into particular parts and working on those parts deliberately. So mm -hmm. th there's back and forth about this, I, I blogged about this uh, uh, earlier this year. I think that the back and forth between like Malcolm Gladwell, who has the 10,000 hour mm -hmm. rule you may have heard yep. of, 
Yeah. He uses the example of like, you know, the, the Beatles played so long in Hamburg, so many nights, like seven mm -hmm. hours a night, basically, for years before they hit it big. So it's not like the brilliance just sort of came out of nowhere. They had to have the mm -hmm. 10,000 hour rule. Or you think of pastors, preachers that are like, you know, amazing at their craft, you know, mm -hmm. in their 50s and 60s. And you think, well, how do they get so good? Well, they, you know, they yeah. put it in the 10,000 hour. But then yeah. you got like guys like, um, I can't remember the name of the guy who wrote the book Range, who's mm -hmm. saying, no, actually, the 10,000 hour rule, you know, breaks down. It's, you know, there, it, mm -hmm. you got to be a generalist, you got to be able to do lots of things really well. I think one of the, the takeaways from that whole debate as to, to what that looks like because most pastors know, church leaders know, you got to be both a specialist and a generalist. Mm -hmm. right. yep. You just yeah. do. I think the big takeaway for me is um, the, it's not the 10,000 hours is going to make you good at something. There's a lot of people who have done 10,000 hours of bad preaching that are still bad preachers. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> you can write every day, all day long. You can write for an hour a day and get mm -hmm. 10,000 days worth of, you know, of writing in and still not be a great writer. The key is the deliberate practice of 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 taking an aspect of that task and sharpening it and working on it and getting better at it so mm -hmm. i'm constantly encouraging guys who are called to communicate the gospel uh break down what it is you're called to do whether it's preaching whether it's teaching whether it's writing break it down into smaller chunks and mm -hmm. you know for 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 the next six months you're really going to hone in on what makes for a great introduction like you know mm -hmm. or what makes for a great paragraph if you're mm -hmm. writing or what makes for a really fantastic outline with illustration like you know like digging like you got to not just go in and say i'm just going to work on my preaching for the next 6 months or i'm going to work on my writing you got to to break it down into components and then sharpen aspects of of that that work that's the way i think that we get better at communicating and we got to get feedback we got to have people tell us yeah. hey that was terrible <laughs> you know you got people that can tell you that like oh that didn't work as well as we thought it would be you know for some of us it's our family others it's close friends but got to have people to tell you yes. you know i've i got a guy who told me like yesterday i was looking over a blog post of mine it's all great except your ending is really boring there's no like punchy last sentence so yeah. i'm going back i'm thinking like okay yeah. going to get better at my endings right so that's that's what i think it takes to to really grow in that skill awesome mm. yeah and it takes a lot of work i mean that's <laughs> all those steps and multiple things it's working on your craft not just in your craft and i think that's that's huge but it, over time that'll pay off and the the snowball effect will will it'll just multiply if you actually get, try to get better intentionally work on getting better mm -hmm. so thank you for that word I, I think even just me personally where i'm at in my my life and my ministry my career I don't want to just settle and, and coast and just do things. I want to continue to, to improve and grow. So thank yeah. you for that. Um, we talk to a lot of young leaders who want to write a book or they, they think they have a book inside of them. Uh, what advice would you give, give them and what practical first steps can they take to get started on that? Well, you may not, you're not going to like this, <laughs> but my, my first response when someone tells me that they have a book in them is to say they probably have a blog in them. Oh, wow. mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. a Good lot advice. of people think they have a book in them, but yeah. they actually have a blog post. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So what I'm what I what I would want to say first is, okay, where are you writing, and where like what what are you already working on? Because the the conceptual idea that someone's got a whole book is different. And then there are a lot of people. I've done this over the years. Who not as much lately because blogging doesn't have. It's harder to 
it's harder to get started in blogging. But when I first started blogging, before I was writing for Gospel Coalition and whatnot, I would have people ask me, man, I really want to start a daily blog. You know, you've got a daily blog. It's been going for years now. I want to get that started. And I will tell them, okay, here's what you do. Figure out what lane you're going to run in, what you want to write about, what you're, where you have some expertise and some passion, because you need both. Got to have some credibility to speak to it, but you got to have, you know, you got you to care about the subject too, right. or it won't, mm-hmm. it won't oh. be interested. And then you come up, write a month's worth of content. So write, you know, if you're going to post twice a week, you know, go ahead and write eight posts. If you're going to, mm-hmm. if you want to post five times a week, you got 20 there. Mm-hmm. 20 posts, whatever, you know, 300 words, 500 words, 800 words each, whatever you think it needs to be. Go ahead and do a month's content and then come back. We're going to organize it. And we're going to start up about this blog. I can count on one hand the number of people who have come back to me mm-hmm. with a month's worth of content. Because what mm-hmm. they found was after they did like, you know, um, four or five articles, they were kind of like, you know, that's, they, they felt like they, they kind of dried up. That's what they wanted to say. And so I'd come back to them and say, hey, there's no shame in that. Nope. I gave you five great articles. Go, it probably would be better for you to go to get those really well done and then find a, 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 you know, another outlet or a platform or some, find a place for those to live. Like you don't put yourself under the pressure of I'm going to write every, every day or I'm going to have a, you know, a, a blog I got to write three times a week or whatever. If, if you're already kind of drying up, God may have given you those particular articles, get those as best they can. And then, and then see where, where they can live and where they can actually to reach people. So I just, I tell people the same thing with like a book. Um, not a, a lot of people think they're called to write a book and they're not, they, mm-hmm. they don't have a whole book in them. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's okay. Not everyone's called to the same, to the same calling uh, right. for those that, that do pass the test, so to speak. And they do write the months worth of blog posts and they continue to, 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 because of their own sort of, reading and communicating and whatnot continue to have more and more uh um, content that they that would could actually fill a you know a 40,000 50,000 80,000 word book then for those it really becomes a question of um who are you in touch with who's already following you who who can you where how can you leverage this you know this little the 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 little group that god has given you to then begin to communicate in a different way and maybe broaden that that scope so much somewhat. And then that's, that's, that leads to the other questions about, you know, aligning, are you the right person with this message? Like you may have a passion for it, but is someone else already got that message pretty well down? Do you have the, this kind of credibility where, where is your credibility, your skill set, your passion, where do they all come together? And that's really the question I think that authors, once you get to that stage where you really are, are, are moving toward a book, that's the the stage for an author to really to really wrestle with. So I don't want to discourage anyone from yeah. writing or from speaking. I'm just throwing out some things to say, hey, don't shoot for the moon first. Shoot for some of these other stars first and then really see good. where where God leads you, where God takes you. Yeah, I love that. And that is great advice, Trevin, is uh, instead of starting with a book, start with some blogs. I mean, the same thing is like someone go, hey, I want to run a marathon. I'm going to start today. Right. You know, it's like, no, let's, let's start with half a mile first, you know, and then build up. And so, um, and, and you never know what God may even do with those blogs. It, that was kind of my story um, with my first book, Nine Commonalized Christians Believe, is I started writing some blogs and articles for some online publications. And we found like, hey, this kind of vein, this kind of topic keeps hitting and it keeps being shared a lot. And, I, and so we kind of correlated those and, and really a book was birthed out of those, you know? And so I love that, 
that first step. I think that's great. Well, Trevin, thank you so much for hanging out with us. And gosh, just so relevant, so practical. Um, and so this really kind of leads us to just ways to live in on mission. And, and it's beautiful to see the creativity of God and just different gifts he gives people to really know Jesus and make Jesus known. So the heart behind uh, this podcast is uh, to help the next generation realize they're the now generation, not just the future of the church, but the church right now. And so would you give us one closing thought on that and one practical next step? Yeah, one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know exactly where it is. I keep giving him credit because I know it came from him. But um, uh, one of my favorite quotes is John Stott saying um, that you should go and do whatever would allow for your uh, greatest gifts to be most exploited for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's yeah. the way we ought to be looking at at the the world, not looking inside ourselves to say, hey, what's going to make us great? What's going to you know what or just what we love or just, but like what particular what has God called you to? What particular gifts has He given you, and how can you make sure those are leveraged as mm. much as possible for the kingdom? Um, that's that's really the question that we all have to ask and we have to wrestle with. And then we've got to put people around us who will. Uh, who will cheer us on, uh, tell us when we're not hitting it, you know, help yeah, us help, yeah. help, like when, when we're not hitting the mark, like help, help people know, um, have people around you who will help you know uh, how best you can, you can be a blessing. And I think that's the, the, one of the most important things I think for mm-hmm. our generation and the next to learn about as we, you know, we move into the weeks and months ahead. It's awesome. Yeah. I love that leverage word. I think I've been using that as well when I, when I, challenge people because I think that gives a lot of freedom to where different callings, different people have different things they're focused on. And as if you can work to discover what you're gifted in, what God's called you to do, then you can leverage that for God's kingdom. And man, thank you so much, Trevin. I know people are going to want to continue to follow you, connect with you. So what are some ways that they can do that? Either social media, websites, stuff like that. Yeah, because I've got one of those unique names that Shane was talking about earlier. It's it's easy to get my to to find like where I write most regularly at TGC. You just go to trevinwax.com and it'll take you right there. Uh, but I'm also on Twitter at Trevin Wax or Facebook. And then you can um, uh, you can also find uh, go to the end of any of my blogs. There'll be a link to where you can subscribe to uh, an email list that I've got. So I just recently relaunched my email newsletter. And I, I'm loving it because it reminds me of like the early days of blogging because there's just, I do, I do like curated links for leaders in there. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll put like a classic TV clip in there. Uh, I'll link out to some podcasts, some good Kindle deals and things for, for books mm-hmm. and stuff. So uh, that's a way too. I, I send that out Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, that's another way to connect. Yeah, that's awesome. And hey, friends, um, take advantage of what God's doing through Trevin. I'm telling you, like, follow him on social media, read his blogs and articles, his books. You will be deeply encouraged by that, and your ministry will benefit from that. So, Trevin, thank you so much for hanging out with us today on the Next Gen on Mission podcast. Friends, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. If you have any questions at all on reaching the next generation, please email us at evangelism at nam.net, and we'll try to address those on a future podcast. If this conversation has been helpful to you, please share it with others. Hey, give it a five-star rating, a follow. Just help spread the word about the Next Gen on Mission podcast, just so we can have more people that are part of this conversation. 
And we pray that you have a great rest of your day and tell somebody about Jesus. Thank you.